Welcome to New City Online. We're so grateful that you made the time to be with us today. And whether you've called New City your home for a long time or you're just checking us out, we're glad you're here. If you'd like to take a step and connect with us, the easiest way to do that is by going to newcity.us connect, fill the form out there, and I'll be in touch with you this week. And we want you to know a little bit more about who we are at New City Church. Here we have four values. Jesus is our king, people are our passion, community is our design, and servant leadership is our offering. One way we live out the value that people are our passion is by partnering with you in prayer. If there's a prayer need in your life or a place where you could use the support of our team, we wanna be praying with you. You can share anything you'd like us to be praying for at newcity.us prayer. Finally, here at New City, we see giving as a huge part of our worship to God. If you'd like to take that step and give to the work God's doing here, you can do so at newcity.us give. Now let's continue to worship together. You're never gonna let me down I know it's true You're never gonna let You're never gonna 
Father, this is the truth this morning. This is our truth that you have a reckless love for me, for us. You are a good God and you come after me and you pursue us when we don't earn it, when we don't deserve it. Thank you that this is the gospel, that you are good and you are God. Lord, give us listening ears and an open heart as we hear the message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is a story Jesus told. It comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. Be aware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice after it more than over the ninety-nine that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. I went for a run one day with our middle daughter, Marin. I was training for uh, a marathon. Some of you may have been training for a run before, and I had a short run that day, and Marin wanted to go with me. And so um, I said yes, and we, we went from our house um, for this short run, and we went back to a path that kind of ran behind our neighborhood into the woods. And about halfway through, uh, Marin ran out of gas. Uh, she was done. She didn't want to run anymore. And so I asked her, um, hey, would you be okay if I ran ahead to the end of the path? It wasn't far ahead. And I'll circle back um, in just a minute, and then we'll walk back to the house. And she said, yeah, I'll just, I'll just keep walking. And so I took off. I didn't think a thing about it. And uh, went to the end of the path. It wasn't a long distance away at all. Um, and turned right back around and came back to, to, to where I left her, and she wasn't there. And so I started calling for her, Marin, Marin, um, and just thinking that maybe she had uh, kind of uh, gone on ahead or turned around and gone back to the house, and I started running and, and, and calling uh, louder and nowhere to be found. Um, I found myself uh, in a full sprint um, yelling her name, um, going back down that path towards our house and still didn't see her. Um, I remember people who were outside in their yards um, as I'm, I'm screaming and yelling um, for her, um, looking at me and beginning to pay attention. And I ran as fast as I could um, the short distance back to our house, yelling for her, looking for her, and she was nowhere to be found. And I was praying the whole way that she had turned around and run back to the house and that when I opened the door, um, she would be there. So I got back to the house. Jen was with our other two running some errands so she wasn't there. I opened the door. I, I, I screamed out her name, Marin, are you in here? And there was no answer. She wasn't there. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm in a full panic. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I, I can't believe that I've, I've lost my child. 
and I'm beginning to cry, and it's hard to breathe at this point. Um, I picked up the phone. I, I called Jen, and I, I told her what happened, which was a, a hard phone call to make. And Jen came back right away. She was only a couple minutes away. We got into the car and started driving around the neighborhood, looking for Marion, calling out um, to her. And in that moment, Jen's phone rang, and it was Marin. And she had found a mom, just like we had trained all of our kids. If you get lost, find another mom. And that mom called us uh, and said, hey, I, I've got Marin, and she's safe. And we went and got her. And I, I, I've never been so grateful to, to, to hug her. And in that short period of time, I just remember experiencing um, just the depth of anxiety and, and, and lostness um, and also just such great joy and in finding this precious one, uh, my daughter. You ever been lost before? You ever l- lose somebody before and, and been s- searching for them? It's a, it's a terrible feeling. Have you ever found some, someone that you've, you've lost and that, that joy of wrapping your arms around them and, uh, and being found? Um, you know, we, we, we can't um, know the, the, the passion of, of finding people um, and, unless we remember what it's, what it's like to, to, to feel lost. And so we're, we're, we're going to tell a story today, a story that, that, that Jesus told. We're going to study it, um, a story about, about being lost. And it's a, a story that Jesus told in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been walking through these parables, these stories um, in that Gospel. It, it's, it's a story about Jesus searching for um, the stranger, uh, and the strayer. It's a story about um, searching and rescuing uh, the lost, and 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 finding them, and then and then and then being found again. It's the story of of the lost sheep, and it's found in Matthew chapter 18. So, if you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to invite you to turn there with me today. If you're following on the New City app, it's already preloaded there with the outline. You can fill in the blanks and, and send the notes back to yourself or somebody else today and invite them to, to listen in on the message. As you're turning there with me uh, to Matthew chapter 18 in this parable of the lost sheep, let me give a little bit of background, a little bit of context for what's going on. When we get into Matthew chapter 18, we're in the fourth major teaching that Jesus gave uh, in the gospel of Matthew. There's, there's five major discourses or teachings that Jesus gives. And in this teaching that begins in Matthew chapter 18, this fourth one, Jesus is talking about uh, the kingdom of God, of course, and what it's going to be like for those who are members of the kingdom um, to interact with, with him as King Jesus, but also with one another, what, what life is going to be like. And all throughout Jesus's ministry, all throughout the gospels, Jesus is busy explaining to his disciples and to others um, what he's like as king and what his kingdom is going to be like. He's giving them a glimpse uh, into that. And so he's continuing to do that with this teaching in Matthew chapter 18. And the disciples, uh, uh, just like many of us, uh, aren't quite getting it, what it means uh, to be a part of God's kingdom and what this kingdom life is going to be like with Jesus as king. And so they ask a question. And really our story today, the story of the lost sheep, is framed around two big questions. And the first question is found here in Matthew 18, verse 1. It's from the disciples to Jesus. And this is what they ask him. At that time, so in that context that I just gave, in that backdrop, uh, the disciples come to Jesus and they asked him, here's their question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And I don't know about you, but when I read that, when I hear that question, I cringe a little bit because all of these teachings that Jesus has given about what it's like to be a member of the kingdom of heaven and the upside down economy of God's kingdom, that the, the, the first should be last and the last shall be first. And, and now all of this time has passed and this is his fourth major teaching and they're still asking this basic question, who's the greatest? And, 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 you know, we all ask that question too. We may not ask it as on the nose or kind of overtly like the disciples did with Jesus, but undercover, we're kind of wondering where we rank too. Uh, in Jewish culture, which all the disciples grew up as, as good Jewish boys in Jewish culture, rank was everything. You know, hierarchy was everything. There was, there was a clear spiritual ladder. Um, and we're used to that too. Like if you were a member of the military, you're constantly looking when you see somebody on their shirt or on their collar, what's their rank? Do I need to salute? Do I not? Do they need to salute me? Where do we stack up? Maybe you're, uh, you use a Peloton to work out and you're familiar with the scoreboard or you go to the Y and you work out and we're constantly seeing where we measure up with other people. Maybe even in your, in your office, you experience that too. And the same was true in spiritual life. The disciples, it was all about where they ranked. And, you know, in chapter 17, Jesus has gone on a field trip with Peter, James, and John, his inner circle. And I'm sure the other disciples were thinking, well, where do we stack up? Um, how does this all work in your economy and your kingdom, Jesus? So they asked this big question, who's, who's the greatest, Jesus? Where, where do we rank on the, on the spiritual ladder? And here's what Jesus does in answering the question. The story is actually a part of his answer. He, he, in the midst of teaching, he pulls a child into their midst. I love this because it, it gives us an insight into the heart of Jesus, but also how he taught that it wasn't oftentimes in formal settings. Um, sometimes he would go into the synagogue and read the scriptures and teach, but oftentimes he was out and about with people. He was in their kitchens. Uh, he was outside with them, and, and he would teach people as they gathered around. And so as Jesus is teaching here and answering their question, he pulls a child into their midst. Look at verses two and four, two through four. And he says, unless you become like one of these children, you can imagine Jesus holding a child in his arms. Unless you become like, like a child, you can't enter into the kingdom. Unless uh, with humility, verse 4, you, you understand what it's like to be a child, even in your faith, you, you can't really see me and understand my kingdom. It's interesting, um, Jesus spoke Aramaic in the first century in Palestine. All of his disciples did too. That was the common language. And in the Aramaic language, uh, that word child is the same word for servant. So Jesus has given a very vivid description to his disciples, to each of us as Christ followers, of what it means um, to, to, to be the greatest in the kingdom. It's being a servant. And later on in the scriptures, Jesus would say very, very clearly that if you want, if you want to be the first in my kingdom, you've got to serve. Uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, what does he do? He takes a towel and a basin. He begins to wash his disciples' feet, demonstrating for them what, what servant leadership really looked like and that servant leadership is always our offering, that to be great in God's kingdom You've got to serve. You've got to become like a child. And as it's interesting, what Jesus didn't say to his disciples or to us is that we need to be childish. That wasn't what the teaching was. It's not being childish. It's being childlike. What does it mean to be childlike? Just think about that with me for a moment. Well, it means that you're, you're aware of your need, that, that you're dependent. Um, maybe you're even a, a, aware of your vulnerability, it's, it's definitely the word is, that Jesus uses in verse 4 is, is you've got to humble yourself. 
it's humility. You know, it's interesting to think about that word humility because Jesus models that for us. He humbled himself, but he also teaches about humility and that it's the pathway to understanding the kingdom and um, to really being great in God's kingdom is to, to be humble. But how do we become humble? Well, it's more than just being humiliated um, or, or being humble. That, that's a part of it. It opens us up. Failure does and brokenness opens us up. Um, to receiving the kingdom of God, to seeing Jesus for who he is. But really, humility comes from actually seeing Jesus. How do we become humble? We experience Jesus. And the more we see Jesus for who he is, the more we experience Jesus for who he is, the more humble we become. But if we persist, as we look at Matthew 18 here, as we, pers- as we persist in, in ladder climbing, in, in spiritual ladder climbing and rank and looking down on other people, we can't experience God's kingdom. And so Jesus pulls this little child and says, you, you've got to become like a child. You've got to know your lostness. You've got to know your need for a shepherd, for a parent to be able to receive the kingdom. And now he asks the disciples a question. That's the second question. Remember I said this story of the lost sheep is really framed around two questions. It's the disciples' question saying, who's the greatest? And still not quite understanding what it means to be a member of God's kingdom and to see Jesus as king. And now Jesus is going to ask the disciples a question. And this really frames our parable today. And in verses 12 through 14, Jesus says this, beginning in verse 12. He says, what do you think? So he's asking them a question. What do, you, what do you think? And now he's going to frame up the story of the lost sheep with this second question. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search? Maybe underline those words in your Bible or highlight them on your phone. Go in search. Go in search of the one that went astray. In, in, in first century Palestine, the average size flock was 100. So as we've been studying these parables, remember we talked about parables um, are truth that's cast alongside of our reality. It's, it's a story that's told in an everyday common way to, to help us to see um, the internal or, or the eternal um, implications of it, just to, the, um, the kingdom of heaven on display right beside the kingdom of this world and understanding our common reality. Jesus told a story here about the, the lost sheep that they would have understood. Uh, many of them knew people that had flocks of, of 100, and they knew what it meant to be a shepherd and to lose a sheep. That happened all the time. Um, you know, we're prone to wonder, and Jesus equates us t- to sheep because they were prone to wonder. This was a common thing for one to, to straggle or to, uh, to go astray. And so Jesus is going to answer their question about who's the greatest and what is the heart of the kingdom with this story about a shepherd pursuing the one um, who goes astray and leaving the 99 on the mountains to go and pursue and search of. Remember, I told you to underline those three words, to go and search of, of the one. If, if you haven't had a chance to, um, to read Philip Keller's book on Psalm 23, he describes what it was like to be a shepherd in the first century. Um, and he goes to his own experience of being a shepherd and talks about even, even now in modern times how difficult of a job that, that, that shepherds have. And he says in his book that they have a difficult job because sheep cannot take care of themselves. I mean, like in any way, shape, or form. He says this, that they require more than any other class of livestock a, a meticulous attention and care. In other words, they are completely helpless 
on their own. And he says, it's no accident that God equates us as sheep, that we're helpless, we're vulnerable. And there's a, there's a word that should enter in here when we hear that, and it's humility. It's our need. And, and in and Jesus' story here of the lost sheep, he's talking about one of these sheep that needs meticulous care and attention going off on their own. And, and we, we see the picture here that Jesus is painting with a story of one who, unless the shepherd goes and pursues them and searches for the one that went astray, he, he's going to face a certain death. He's in an extremely vulnerable position being lost in that way, much like Maren was when she was lost. Uh, much like a child is when they're, when they're lost. Unless someone comes and searches for them, they're in great danger. Keller goes on to describe the, the life of uh, a sheep and a shepherd in this way. I love this. He says, The lot in life of any particular sheep depended on the type of man who owned it, the type of shepherd that they had. Some shepherds were gentle and kind and intelligent and brave and selfless. Under one shepherd's sheep would struggle, starve, suffer endless hardship. In another's care, they would flourish and they would thrive. And listen to this. The presence of a sheep's master, owner, or protector, their shepherd, puts them at ease like nothing else can. He finishes by saying, For a sheep, there is no substitute for the keen awareness that their shepherd is nearby. Imagine what that would have felt like, verse 12, for that sheep who had gone astray. And maybe you feel that even today, that God feels distant from you. You feel distant from God. Um, You feel that aloneness or that vulnerability. This is the picture that Keller's trying to paint of, of sheep and their need for the shepherd. And I love that last sentence of, Sheep are keenly aware of the presence of their shepherd, and there's nothing that puts them at ease like the shepherd being near them. So maybe you feel today like you're a a stranger to God's flock. You've never really understood Jesus as a shepherd who loves you and pursues you, and you would say, I've never really been a part of God's flock. Or maybe you would say, I I know Jesus is my shepherd, and I've believed in him, and I've trusted him, and I'm a part of God's flock, but but I've strayed. And I am, just like we sing at times, where I'm, I'm prone to wonder. And I, and I feel that even now as I'm hearing this story. And here's the good news, that, that Jesus searches for the stranger, if that's you, and he also searches for the strayer, if you've gone astray. He searches for, for, for each of us. And he can't help in this story in Matthew 18 but to speak in and to answer his own question. After he kind of frames up, you know, the shepherd that's lost the one sheep and does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one who's gone astray? He doesn't even leave space here for the disciples to to speak into that. He can't help but answer as a shepherd himself. And here's how he answers in verses 13 and 14 in Matthew chapter 18, just to finish the story. Jesus says, and if he finds it, if he finds the one, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. Verse 14, so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Interesting, that last word there, perish, is the same word that John uses in John 3.16 when when he's quoting Jesus, when he says, you know, it's not the will that any should perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus is describing, you know, who he is and why he's come is to rescue, that none of us should perish, that he would pursue each and every one of us 
uh, into a loving relationship with him. Uh, the good shepherd, right, that Jesus is, would never allow one of his sheep to, to be on their own and to be vulnerable to certain death or lostness. He would pursue them. He would find them. And this, as Jesus tells the full story here in verses 12 through 14, is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of what Jesus has done for us, that, that we're the one that God has come to rescue us, to pursue us, to find us. It's interesting that some people think that this little story here in Matthew 18, verses 12 through, through 14, is, a, is an expansion of Psalm 23. Uh, many of you are familiar with Psalm 23. It begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it goes on to describe this relationship of sheep and their shepherd. And some people think that Jesus is expanding upon that and sharing that actually the gospel is a fulfillment of Psalm 23. It's a picture of who God desires to be for each of us and his relentless pursuit and coming and searching for us. Again, those three words, go in search of and finding each and every one of us. Some of you may be familiar with this story. You've heard the story of the lost sheep before. Some of you may have heard it from Luke chapter 15. Um, it's a story that's found there too, but they're actually Luke 15, the story of the lost sheep, and Matthew 18, the story of the lost sheep, actually are two distinctive stories. Um, I, I didn't realize this either until my study of it, that they're, they're not a repeat. They're actually two very similar stories with distinctive aims. And I think this is important to understand today for the truth that Jesus is communicating. In the Gospel of Luke, in the story of the lost sheep, the audience is primarily, primarily religious leaders, and Jesus is speaking specifically about an unbelieving sinner who is lost. They're a stranger to the flock of God, and God's pursuit of them as a stranger to the flock. In Matthew, uh, Jesus is speaking, of course, here in the context, we see it, to the disciples. And what he's trying to get across is that, no, this is a sheep that was a part of God's flock, but they've been a straggler, they've gone astray, they've wandered. And here's the amazing truth of both Luke and Matthew, is that Jesus searches for the stranger and the strayer. He searches for both. It shows the heart of who Jesus is as a shepherd coming after each and every one of us. I, I, I wonder today, as you hear this story from Matthew 18, the parable of the lost sheep, who you would say you are. Are you, are you the stranger, the one that has, has wandered their whole life and has never been a part of the flock of God? And here's the word for you is that Jesus is searching for you. He, he's, he's coming in search of you. He, he left heaven to come in search of you and to find you. He's pursuing you today, and you need to feel that, and you need to know that. Uh, maybe today you would say, no, I, I'm, I'm, I am a part of the flock of God. I've, I've believed Jesus. I've accepted him in my life. I, I see him as my shepherd, but I've gone astray. I've wondered. And again, here's the good news for you, is that Jesus pursues the strayer. He comes after us. Here's, here's a way to think about this uh, verse it, or this passage, this story that Jesus tells about the lost sheep, that the 99, it's, it's not as if, well, I once was the one and now I'm the 99. You know, I said at the beginning, this is a story about being lost, about being found, and about being found daily. And here's a way of thinking about this is that the 99 that Jesus is talking about, he says in verse 12 that he leaves them on the mountain. You know, all throughout the scriptures, the mountain is a metaphor for heaven. And so maybe a way to think about this is that Jesus is saying the 99 are safe because they're in heaven. 
but I came and I left heaven to find the one. I came to pursue you, and this is the gospel, that, that God came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He came and rescued us in our most vulnerable place. So it's not a story about, well, I once was the one and now I'm the 99. We're all the one. And on this side of heaven, whether it's I'm the one that's a stranger and I've never been in a relationship with the Good Shepherd Jesus and that's what Jesus is calling me to and wanting me to realize that he's pursuing me for a relationship, or whether it's I'm, I'm the one, I believe in Jesus, but every day I have to remind myself of the gospel. And on this side of heaven, Jesus is always about pulling me closer to his heart, always finding me where I am and pulling him, pulling me back into his arms, just like that child scooping me up and saying, this is what it's like to be in the kingdom, is to know that I'm vulnerable, that I have need, um, that I'm lost without Jesus, but also to know this, and don't miss this as we close, that Jesus comes and, and, and searches for me, that he scoops me up, that he scoops you up in his arms, that he searches for both the stranger and the strayer, that Jesus is on a constant search of looking for sheep, all of us, that he desires uh, to pull into his flock, and he rejoices when he finds each and every one of us. How does that hit your heart today? How does that meet you where you are? I wonder what your next step is. Maybe for those of you who are a stranger, your step is to understand and just sit in this story and know that you're loved and that Jesus has left heaven to come in search of you. Maybe for those of you who are Christ followers and you would say, I'm a part of the flock of God, you need to hear again today that Jesus is pursuing your heart, that he's constantly pulling you into closer union with him and grabbing you in his arms and pursuing after each and every one of you. I wanna, I wanna close this way with just some words from Jesus. And, and I'd love for you, if you're able today, don't, not if you're driving your car or anything, but if you're able to just close your eyes and just hear the words of Jesus to you, to your heart. Again, wherever you might be, as a stranger, as a strayer, we're all the one, and we're all being pursued by Jesus. Listen to his words today as we close. Maybe just close your eyes and receive these words. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. In the same way the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They'll recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock and one shepherd. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for rescuing us, for pursuing us, for seeking after us. Help us today, Jesus, to see you for who you are, to fill your arms around us, rescuing us, pursuing us, loving us. We give you the glory and the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me.
found leaves the night in the night and I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away holding overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week.